Hey everybody, Melissa McKenzie, the American Spectator publisher here on The Spectacle with Scott McKay, editor at The American Spectator, editor at Reviver, editor at, you know, The Hayride. It just keeps going. You're right. Man, the myth, the legend. I have have way too many projects going on right now and I need to cut them back. And the only way I can do it is finish them. And they never get finished. So yeah, well, that's life in the big city, I guess. That that's what happens when you're important. You start having to have people, Scott. So you yeah. might you might need to have people I to probably help you with your schedule. People. All right. So this t- today was supposed to be a monumental day where norms were chucked and Donald Trump was indicted or arrested or whatever for the crime of paying off a hooker, essentially. And um, this has been litigated and dumped a couple times. And um, really, I think that she Stormy should be sued for extortion, but that's another thing entirely. I have some theories about why this all happened the way it did. And I personally am skeptical about whether or not they're actually going to do this with him. So last week was a very bad week for Joe Biden. Uh, All the payments came out. The China stuff came out. uh, Ukraine is not going well. The bank failures keep piling up. And uh, so it's, it's an economic kind of disaster story, a, world stage disaster story, a banking uh, disaster story. And then the Biden personal family, you know, everyone in the family essentially is on the take. And so, uh, and uh, doing the bidding, it looks like of their masters in Ukraine and China. I don't know. No question about it. And so this was a terrible week. And so I felt like in order to sow discord and to muddy the waters, this is classic Obama, by the way. Obama's administration did this to perfection, just throw some shite into the air, let it hit the fan, splatter everywhere. And people are so disgusted getting this stuff off themselves that they're not paying attention to, you know, what's going around them and uh, all the bad things that are about to happen. And I think that's why we heard this Trump thing. And then Trump being Trump, you know, shrieks to the media, which um, that this isn't coming. Everybody has this umbrage, which they knew would happen. And all of that is to set the stage for, well, you said that it would defy norms to indict a president and Biden is actually worthy of being indicted. Hell's bells. He should probably be in prison for treason based on what he's done. Takes bribes from China. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that this was all just a big setup and with, with the anticipation of getting the, getting some really bad headlines off of the front page and also to create some cushion for Biden in the future, because it's not going to look good for him. 
especially if a future Republican administration comes along and um, actually follows through in the executive branch. They won't do it right now because the DOJ is utterly corrupt and the FBI as well, helping helping Biden. So what, what say you about all that? Um, well, I don't find anything in that that I disagree with. Uh, I think that this is something that the Biden administration earnestly desires, has been pursuing uh, on its own with the Mar-a-Lago raid and the stupid business about the documents, all of which is is as idiotic as as the supposed charges in New York. Right. I mean, there, like, there's no legal theory that has any credibility behind either either thing. Like, remember, right. the Mar-a-Lago raid was all about documents that Trump has that are supposedly classified when he was the president of the United States. Right. And and they you know, had plenary power to declassify documents. And the prevailing you know theory on all of that is that if the president takes those documents out of the archives and you know brings them home or whatever that that is deemed to have been a declassification so under no reasonable theory could there have been any real discussion of president trump holding uh classified documents um you know in in you know well, i mean at this in this case at, at his home with the secret service protecting it um, and then, of course, you find out about Biden, who was never president prior to, to 2021, had squirreled classified documents all over the place, um, you know, in in unsecured locations. And, you know, like, OK, so what are we going to do with him? And the answer is, well, you're not going to do anything with him because we don't do anything to Democrats who break the law. Right. I mean, going back all of it, certainly to the Clintons, um, you know, they have just absolutely the the run of the house that they can do whatever they want um and and never face any legal consequences for, for clearly criminal behavior so we're going to have this with trump and you know like you said trump loves it right i mean you know when, when this stuff first came out elon musk was like you arrest this guy and he's going to win in a landslide and i don't know that that's wrong um you know, it puts Alvin Bragg's name out there. This guy all of a sudden is now a hero on the left, although I don't think he stays a hero if he doesn't actually arrest Trump. Um, you know, I mean, he wants to run for whatever, right? Mayor in New York or or governor in New York. Or, and, and those voters over there are dumb enough to actually make that happen, despite the fact that this guy is um, one of the most substandard public officials in America. Um, you know, I, and what should be a, a break on all this is uh, the, the goodwill and standards of the public that's being subjected to it, right? Like you would think that red or blue, uh, um, you know, male or female, black or white, that most people would look at this and say, stop perpetrating farces on my dime, right? Um, but apparently that we don't get that. And and to me, and I, you know, and I've got a thing about this at the Spectator today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, this piece popped this morning. Um, you know, and 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 my thing talks about because all over the country you've got kind of the old, 
standard Republican uh, answers. Well, we're going to have a protest, right? And Trump called for this. And I, I, I'm, I'm done trying to get people on the right to protest, okay? Th that it's a bad idea. It doesn't work for a couple of reasons. Number one, our people are not protesters. Our people have lives. Our people have something to lose, okay? They have jobs, and to go make them spend a day waving signs and yelling nasty slogans and doing whatever, it's not who they are, right? And if you go back to your Alinsky, you know, he he basically, one of the rules for radicals is don't go outside of the expertise of your people, right? Um, and on the left, they've got lots of people who sit around on a front stoop all day. And to go drag them out to a protest is no big thing because they have nothing better to do. Well, the right is full of people with lots of things better to do. And so to try to get them to go and do a protest is a waste of time. That's number one. The second thing is, um, and this goes back to uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, who got asked at one point uh, about, you know, they were doing the nonviolent uh, means of protest in India to, to try to create Indian independence. And they asked him, like, look, I mean, if if the colonial power was anybody other than Great Britain, would your stuff work? And he said, absolutely not. I mean, like the one thing about the British is that they're actually fundamentally decent people. And so right. we are pushing them to the point where they don't want to go, because at one point, and I think it was like 1942, somebody actually asked Adolf Hitler about what the Indians were doing. And Hitler just laughed. He said, the obvious solution is you go shoot Gandhi, right? Um, and, and really, you know, I'm not going to say the Democrats are Hitler, but it's clear they don't have much compunction about using brutal means to, um, to uh, uh, inflict their power on other people. Right. I mean, Mark Houck was a perfect example of that. That was the abortion protester in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, one of these left wing, they're over there basically praying in front of an abortion clinic. And one of these left wing trolls goes in like, you know, starts threatening his son. And so he pushes the guy. Right. And, and it's the same thing as what Bragg is doing in New York City to Trump. You know, like this thing gets vetted through the legal system. And, you know, there's not going to be any charges and there's not even a lawsuit or anything. And all of a sudden, here comes DOJ with a SWAT raid on Mark Hout because he pushed a guy that was threatening his son in front of an abortion clinic. And it, the whole thing is absurd. But, you know, everybody understands this. The process is the punishment, right? This guy is now famous. People don't know the whole story. They're like, Mark Houck, oh, that was that guy that attacked some guy in front of an abortion mm -hmm. clinic. And right. he's like, no, I didn't do anything like that. But he's always going to be tainted by that. His Wikipedia page is always going to feature, you know, his arrest and, you know, the SWAT team and people are always going to look at this, not to mention all the money he's had to spend defending himself against the Justice Department and its unlimited uh, resources and so on. Right. So the idea that, okay, now we're going to go and protest. Um, and the answer is, okay, well, they're going to do to you what they did to the January 6th people. Okay. You want to go and protest this. You can do it. You can do it in the suburbs where you live and nobody but your Facebook friends are ever going to know that, that, that you were there. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to the courthouse in the big city that you live in a suburb of 
and take your chances as to what the Soros DA and the, you know, the left wing freaking nut job police chief and the mayor in those cities when they see a bunch of, you know, Trump people that they think attack Jesse Smollett even today. Um, oh, these guys are coming. Well, you know, let's you get the paddy wagons and round them up because they're domestic terrorists and we're going to charge them as that. Right. You know, and do you really have $50,000 to pay an attorney to get off of some trumped up stupid charge? That, the answer is it's not worth it. Okay. And my suggestion is something else. If, in fact, uh, Alvin Bragg ultimately charges Trump, they're going to arrest him, do the, the whole thing. The answer is not to protest. The answer is to declare economic war on New York City. Boycott everything. Okay. Like, no, don't travel there ever again. Like, do do everything you can to hurt that city economically and to drain it. Get your governor to go set up an, an economic development office in New York City and go and try and poach every single business that's there and bring it back to Texas or to Florida or to Tennessee or South Carolina or whatever. They're already moving. Accelerate that process. And I came up with something, a friend of mine who's running for state legislature here in Louisiana, uh, he and I came up with this last night, which is uh, we should bring back banishment as uh, as a uh, criminal punishment, particularly in red states, as an optional thing. There's there's some legal stuff out there that says banishment is a cruel and unusual punishment. Mm. But if you give them a 10-year suspended sentence, if they take a voluntary banishment, like you cannot come back to Texas, ever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you, you know if you do and you get arrested in texas <laughs> you know you're going to serve this 10-year sentence mm -hmm. um before we even talk about like whatever other crime you might have done when you came back mm -hmm. um and then we're going to have the state attorney general make a list of all of the um uh criminal sanctuary cities that are the ones that have soros da's that refuse to prosecute criminals and we're going to give our convicted criminals who take the voluntary banishment option a plane ticket to those cities. You can spend 10 years at Huntsville State Prison in Texas, or you can move to New York City. And we'll just start dumping our criminals on these places with the Soros DAs. They're asking for criminals. They're pandering to criminals. Well, that's Houston, is, though. Houston, Houston well, that's has the, the Soros just, DA. Yeah, you're going to have to do something about the Soros DAs in these red states. And in a lot of cases, I mean, the answer is not that hard. DeSantis, I think, showed when he fired Andrew Warren, who was the Soros DA in Tampa. Mm -hmm. That's what you do, right? I mean, you, you, you may have to go change some state constitutions and so forth to clarify that the district attorney actually does work for the, the attorney general in that state. Mm -hmm. And if the district attorney, you know, elected or not, can be fired for not doing his job, yeah. that takes care of the Soros DAs in red states. Um, and really what will happen is Soros will stop spending money trying to elect uh, DAs in blue cities in red states because it's a, it's a waste of time, right? Like the guy comes in, he tries to start doing stuff, and then the AG AG just sacks him, and we're done. Yeah. Um, you know that'll restrain a lot of what Soros is doing to try to screw up red states. But the point is, 
you know, you start giving these people what they're asking for. I mean, you saw what a massive um, PR win it was when they started busing illegals into sanctuary cities. Yeah. Well, I think do the same thing for criminals. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and this is not something that matters whether Trump gets arrested or not. This is something that applies everywhere there's a Soros DA who is pandering to criminals is okay that's fine you're going to get a whole bunch of crooks from new orleans <laughs> and houston and you know miami and whatever and we're going to you know, we put them on a plane and you will get a thousand crooks a week uh descending on your city that you said you you know you were more than happy to pander to crooks um you know and, and this is all part of having consequences for these people who are wrecking the country and and you know and doing it with with um you know with extreme prejudice i mean they're just you know they're just actively shooting cannonballs into the edifice of of law and reason in this country and and there's never any downside well let's find a way to give them downside well the thing is okay so like i your your idea of the economic you know uh war is a good one i mean so, so like Disney, for example, has has had the biggest loss in its history over the last year, right? And uh, part of it was you know post COVID stuff, but a lot of it has been, I'm guessing, families like me going, you know what? Not no, going. I I have many choices. I could take my family on a road trip and go camping, or I could go to overinflated Disney park and have them be exposed to all the crazies. I think no. And, mm -hmm. uh, so like, so like that ha I think has been working and, but yet they haven't, you know, Disney has not, they, they haven't submitted yet. Like, you know what I mean? They're still fighting. No, there's still a tough nut to crack. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And so, like, I think the same thing for New York, like capital is leaving New York. Capital is leaving California. They have to. I don't know if you saw the clip uh, with um, it was on some a guest who was on a guy from Shark Tank, which, I, you know, some VC dude who I, I don't know. I have never watched the show. And he and he was talking to Don Lamont and explaining that he would n not at all ever excuse me put a business in new york new jersey yeah, chicago like uninvestable or something it's like uninvestable that. right and right. um the, there's a whole host of new regulations that have just passed in california for example that are certifiably insane like legally so convoluted that an employer doesn't even know how to stay you know on the right side of the law and so like, why, why have a business there, you know? And right. so you have this and still they're not learning still, you know, they're, they're Detroitifying themselves. Mm -hmm. The normal people are leaving the heart, the working people are leaving. They're still increasing taxes. California wants to pass a law that if you are working for a company in California, but don't live there that you're taxed by California. I don't know how that works, but that's what they well, want. I mean, that's, you know, that could 
that gets thrown out as soon as there's a plaintiff. And I mean, you know, that, that, these things are virtue signals rather than, you know, legislation, but they won't stop doing it. And that just means they haven't suffered enough. Right. Right. There hasn't been enough suffering. I, I just sit there and I, I don't know that we're equipped on the right. Now, as far as like sending criminals and that sort of thing, um, banishment, I kind of like the idea. But I don't think, you know, as far as having a stomach for, I don't think those, on, uh, you know, people on the right really think that there's that enough of a problem to, there's so much denial about what we've been through and where we're at. I don't know that there's the stomach to do any of this. And well, the right's I, I think divided. I think with the criminals there is, um, because you talk to particularly people who live in like say inner suburbs of, mm -hmm. of these big blue cities. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the, you know, the crime has reached those people pretty much in force, you know, I mean, you know, car thefts and all these different kinds of things. And I mean, there's nothing that irritates somebody more than having their car stolen. You know, everything else is that there's an element of danger and you're kind of like thankful to still be alive or whatever. But when they steal your car, and I know this because I've had it happen to me, um, all that all that that is, is rage. Right. And there is nothing that that assuages that because almost nobody gets caught for car theft. Right. right. Like they just don't like they in the car. They use the car for a while and they dump the car or they bring it to a chop shop or whatever. Like, you know, they never get caught. Um, and, you know, even when they do get caught, they plead out because the, you know, the prosecutors don't, I mean, they don't, they don't go after max sentences for people that steal. So in other words, if you get your car stolen, there is no, there's no criminal that you can focus your rage on. Um, it's just the inconvenience of having the car stolen and whatever was in the car that you'll never get back and all of this other stuff. And it's just, it's one of these things that just pisses people off to no end. Um, and the, you know, and, and yet um, that happens a whole lot. I mean, like, and it's one of these, these big things that car thieves from the city will go to the suburbs steal a car bring it back to the city right um and i mean this happens over and over again where you get suburban sheriff's departments that actually pursue people into the city um you know and and can't make an arrest and the local you know city police are totally freaking not up to the job and like this is a mess everywhere like it's a mess no matter every, like every place that there's a big blue city that's turned into a crime factory, the suburbs are all feeling it in terms of property crime by criminals from the city. So my thought is, is that if you did something like this at the state level and you started exporting people out of the state, that, you know, sort of these kind of swing voters and then core Republican voters would unite behind the idea because the number one thing is it doesn't matter if we send them to the sanctuary cities. That's just kind of like a piece of fun. But to make it so that they can't come back, we're actually ridding, ridding ourselves of these criminals. Um, that's something I think that works politically big time. And if it works politically big time, then then 
you know, your your state legislators will do it because these guys are always looking for something that, that actually pleases voters. I think in Congress, it's less so. But at the state legislative level, I mean, you are right there with the voters. Those people are your neighbors. And so getting an attaboy from your neighbors to actually vote on something that, that they really like, I mean, that is literally mother's milk to a state legislator. So I think it's actually a realistic thing. Um, you know, you can kind of debate how well you can impose something like this and carry it out. Um, but the mere passage of it, you know, at the at a state legislative level, um, I, I mean, it's worth doing just to see the article in Slate <laughs> that's going to show up because they're going to call. It's like, oh, this is Torquemada and the Spanish Inquisition. These things are so terrible, and it's like we sent these people to San Francisco, like. Like, go and talk about how this is cruel and unusual punishment that they have to go to San Francisco. <laughs> right. Because maybe I don't disagree with you. Who wants to get sent to a place where there's poop all over the streets? But that's your city that you like living in. So I don't really know what to tell you. You know, and if and if they say, well, you know, you can't bring all these people to our city because, I mean, you know, why are you doing this? It's like, what you don't what, like most of them are not white. So you're a racist because you don't want to take them in. Right. Oh, you don't well, like the answer is to that is yes. Well, yeah, I know, I mean, but they don't want to admit that. Right. So and it's like, oh, you mean having criminals descend on your city is a bad thing? Well, why'd you elect the Soros D.A.? He lets your criminals descend on your city. What's wrong with our criminals descending on your city? Are our criminals worse than your criminals? And if the answer to that is yes, then, I mean, you know, like, please explain. So, um, you know, like, okay, I'd like so to see somebody run with this and, and let's see how far we can go with it. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm dubious about this whole idea, but it it, it is interesting. It kind of goes back to the... In biblical times, there was a law in Israel, basically, if you, for like crimes of passion, that sort of thing, you could uh, say somebody, you know, uh, attacked one of your family members and you killed them. You could run to a sanctuary city. And if you could get there before the person who's mad at you for who, who wanted to send you to prison or take your life or whatever, because you'd taken a life. If you could get to there faster than they could catch you, you, you never could leave, but you weren't going yeah, to sanctuary. prison. You had right. sanctuary. And uh, so I, I think, you know, making a sanctuary, making all these liberal places, truly sanctuary cities. Eh? Okay, fine. I mean, they chose it with illegals, and if de facto they're choosing it with criminals. Um, well, here's so the thing, though. The, the 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 when I step back from all of the this kind of what feels a little bit like games, makes me think that you know, I feel like we're in a more serious position as a country than that. Like I, I think we're we're getting to the point where there's so much degradation and, and uh, you know, the rule of law is so meaningless 
at this point, that everything is politicized, that if you are a white male conservative in a leftist jurisdiction, you are not going to get a fair trial. In fact, no, absolutely. and everybody knows this. This right. is such a horrendous point where we know that, you know, uh, mass killings will go away once we find out the race of the person is, you know, they'll, they'll hope that the, the, yeah, the that news again, anchors yeah. will actually hope that the person is white reported as the person is white. And then it turns out to be a Chinese person or right. it turns out to be a black person. We have so gone beyond like a colorblind, uh, equality justice for all type of society in straight into this kind of uh dystopian might makes right i mean and so the, the then the question is who's stronger and right now the the conviction and belief seems to be all on the left mm-hmm. I, you know on the right we are quibbling about this stuff you have and maybe I just am not, I, 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 I don't understand it, Scott. I can't, I've never understood it. I don't love politicians. I don't care who they are. They are a vessel for what I want uh, politically, but they're fallen human beings. And so I have very low expectations. And so I don't understand the absolute vitriol between the DeSantis folks and the Trump folks. Uh, we don't even know that DeSantis is going to run. I don't know that it would be smart for him to run against Trump at this time. I don't, you know, I don't even know. But so we have this kind of garbage going on. Trump himself is in the middle of this maelstrom where he's constantly being persecuted. The law is being used. They're just bleeding him. They're just trying to bleed him of his money, his power and his will. And make it, and more importantly, and this is where it's actually effective, make it so that no one who has any sense or any morals or any kind of decent human being wants to be seen in his presence, you know, wants to work for him. So if he does get reelected, he's a man alone again. Mm -hmm. And so we have this just... it's it's so bad i can't find words for it and it feels like this is there's uh, many in politics who are still viewing this as just a gamesmanship thing and and we see it in the not serious at all kind of um libertarian perspective on some of the cultural issues as if what's happening is just normal as well, if two years ago, yeah. we the some of the things that are being considered now are just not insane. Like, for example, transgender surgeries for children. I mean, this is child abuse. It's insane. Men running in races and beating women all around the world. I, I don't know if you saw, but I just cracked up. The Iranian soccer team, they're the half the team's men. And I, I was like, this perfect. Why not make the whole team men and just say they all identify as women and then beat the shit out of every other female team around the world and sure. really just go for it. I, I, I can't wait for the first all-male WNBA team. I can't wait. Well, I mean, you know, it's 
You would have thought that the feminists would have stood up to this as soon as it got started. Um, and they blew their shot. And at this point, it's just a matter of time before all of this is, um, is uh, the men's know, B team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely fallen apart. And then what'll end up happening is you will have the all girls leagues come next that are going to be sponsored by conservatives who were accused at the beginning of all of this of being opposed to women's sports. Right. Right. Because they were all, you know, sexist and whatever, and women shouldn't be playing basketball and blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, like this all got hung on essentially at the time the religious right. right um and so you had title nine that fixed all that and the people that actually defend title nine as written turn out to be the conservatives uh whereas you know the left is you know well it's the men's team and the effeminate men's team um you know and that's fine and it's like well you know it's not nobody thinks it is you guys don't think it is so now if this is going to then turn into the conservative thing where conservatives are going to be the, the protectors and defenders and advocates of women's sports, you know, and like um, everything about it is stupid. It's all stupid. And, um, you know, there's this big hue and cry now because Jamie Lee Curtis wins an Oscar and she appears you know, in these pictures with her son, uh, who's clearly her son, but is wearing a dress. Right. Uh, and it's like, okay, so you showed up at the Oscars and you're like trying to identify as a female and you don't even come close to passing, which just makes the whole thing hilarious. Like it's hilarious, right? Because mm -hmm. right? there seen, are men dressed as men that passes women better than Jamie Lee Curtis's son, who's attempting to freaking look like a female, but, and not well. And so, you know, at some point you just like, at some point you just laugh because it's like, you know, this is awful. And Jamie Lee Curtis probably ought to go to jail for child abuse to have done this to her kid. But I'm not even like, I, I'm just going to make fun of it because I like, I can't even get outraged about this stuff anymore because it's so freaking bad. Um, and it's an embarrassment and it's a freaking outrage and all the rest of it. But, you know, like, no, yeah, this people... isn't the, this isn't the only thing. So like, even like the war in Ukraine, it, it's so P Putin was in Mariupol. I think that's how you say it. My, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly or not. And um, nothing. It's like no big deal. And the Ukrainian troops and the Russian troops are just being ground up over there. Yep. Ukraine is running out of munitions. They've burnt it all and spent it all on uh, during through the winter. So the spring offensive, everybody knows that it's in big trouble. And, you know, Biden today was trying to get 15 Abrams tanks over there as soon as possible. And it's just like, what are we doing? It's like everything is just kind of um, slow rolling into disaster and no one's taking anything seriously. I just, I feel like I'm living in an alternative universe. Well, meanwhile, it's going to be the Chinese who broker a peace between Russia and Ukraine. 
And the piece that they're going to broker is going to be the one that we should have brokered, which is that Russia gets a good chunk of the Donbass and gets to keep Crimea. Um, and the rest of Ukraine probably ends up being, um, uh, you know, holds hold Ukraine holds on to the rest of that territory. Like that's a deal that could have been done in November or October. Yeah. I mean, it was the deal that was being talked about and we shot it down. But when China brokers that deal, which is exactly why Xi and Putin have met the last two days, um, is, you know, is to try to present a united front and get that deal. And the Chinese will basically buy up Ukraine as an in incentive to mm -hmm. make this stuff work. They'll grease all the politicians from Ukraine that we've been greasing yeah. and end up with, you know, Ukraine is part of the Belt and Road Initiative, um, which will put them in hock to the Chinese at a level that dwarfs anything that we've ever done. Um, you know, and so like, we're going to lose influence on that because we were stupid. Yeah. Like, and, and, and like anybody, Stevie wonder could see this coming. Okay. Like this is, right. this is so obvious that this is what's happening. And the thing of it is, is we're not even doing anything while it's going on. Like this right. is unfolding in front of our eyes and we're doing nothing. We are letting the Chinese come and drink our milkshake. And we're going to just sit there. And when it's over, what are we going to do? No, the war must go on. Oh, okay. Well, now the Chinese are going to sell tanks to the Russians. Because right. that's the next step. Because believe me, Putin didn't hold this meeting with Xi unless it was all about, hey, give us some of that swag that you guys are making. Right. Right. Um, I mean, the thing, and, but and then, and then the question becomes, is Biden doing all of this because he's been paid to do it? But he, he, well, we know he's been paid to do it, you know, whether that has uh, control over Ukraine or whether he's just deferential to the Chinese whenever he thinks he can get away with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. But it, like we do know the entire Biden family was bribed by China. We right. do know that. And I mean, we've known that for a long time. Now we have the receipts. Right. OK. And, and it's like, you know, it's undeniable. And the fact that we have all this other stuff going on is clearly a function of someone trying to make sure that we're not talking about the bribes that the Biden family has been right. paid by the Chinese Communist Party. OK, um, because in a sane America that we had like not that long ago, the mere mention that, you know, our biggest global adversary had bought off the first family well in advance of them even becoming the first family. Like we yeah. know they bought off the Bushes. Like we know that. Um, but most of, you know, like Neil Bush and his little confab in Houston that he has, like that all came about really after George W. Bush left office, most right. of it. Right. Um, some before, but like it really kind of kicked into gear when it was, when there was sort of some, you know, hey, this is after the fact, so whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas with the Bidens, I mean, this stuff was well in advance of him running for president, but at the time it was known he would, um, you know, so here's my like thought, Scott, I think that what, uh, Hillary came up with, you know, cause she's not the brightest bulb. They didn't have to create a narrative. They already had it ready made with Biden. They just yeah. plunked it onto Trump and, sure. and made it up 
and made it complete lies. Yeah. And, and to, to get him into this quagmire, all of this stuff per- has protected Biden because of all of the lies planted. Well, and my theory on that was that Hillary Clinton didn't have much of anything to do with creating any of that, that that was all Obama. Like, you know, she worked for him. She was actually gone. But, you know, Obama was, um, you know, like, okay, Hillary was was going to be the candidate in 16. So, yeah, this will benefit her. But this was all about the deep state making sure that even if Hillary lost, they were still going to maintain control of the government. And it worked like a freaking charm. Okay. I mean, let's not put too fine a point on it. This, this, that was a brilliant success on their part. Um, It probably didn't have to be. Had Trump been a more veteran political actor, um, you know, the mere mention of all of this stuff would have, that would have been cause for him to just completely drop the hammer on everybody which is what he should have done, you know, is, Oh, you had something to do with Russia. And it's like, guess what guys, you're not swaying me. Everybody's fire. That's what should have happened. Um, and, you know, but he didn't, he had no idea. He was blindsided by this and it, he wasted two and a half years of his presidency on nothing, literally nothing. Well, I mean, the thing is though, none of this happens without John McCain, Lindsey Graham, uh, Mitch McConnell throwing yeah. sand in uh, Trump's gears. I mean, all of, of this was purposeful. They they didn't like him either. They had their payoffs and setups, and they didn't want him to uh, interfere with what they viewed as the sweet gig. Like I said before, all of the people left and right at the top, at the elites, are just basically sucking the resources out of the world economy that they can before everything implodes. That's right. Uh, So I'm just kind of, I, I feel like some of the stuff that we're talking about are just it's like putting a Band-Aid on a flesh wound. I feel like, you know, that Monty Python skit, you know, there goes a limb. Oh, it's just a flesh wound, you know. Right. Um, and I don't. Well, it's, you know, it's hard to talk in um, calm tones about uh, the loss of the Republic. Yeah. Which is which is one of the things, I mean, you know, like we, we want to bring this back into some uh, framework under which we all grew up and can understand. Right. Um, but, you know, with every one of these things that comes out, it's more and more clear we are in the post-Republic stage of America. Um, and, the, and the big fight is going to be to try to bring us back to some semblance of that. Um, and yet the people who are now in, a, in positions of advantage um, you know, are often running in another direction. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what are the means by which you can restore America? And, you know, I hate to say it, but like historically, you know, those means involve blood, which we yeah. don't want to call for. Right. Um, and we have to come up with something other than that. And, you know, okay, so there's political remedies and like federalism um, i mean the yeah, thing is, I mean, is like, those are all good things right mo- moving I mean, I to places to. and moving to places where you feel like there is a rule of law and mm-hmm. 
and that you, there's still some freedom. There, look, there get... were still some mighty fine places at the end of the Roman Empire, right? Like there were parts of the Roman Empire that were really doing well while the Visigoths were sacking Rome. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, so, you know, yeah, you, you know, you find a nice red state and red community. And I mean, you can live out your life in, in relative comfort and ease because things still work there. Um, you know, do you care about the society in which you live? And what do you, you know, like Sean Connery, what are you prepared to do? Right. Um, and, you know, I don't know that our side is, is at the point yet where, you know, we're, willing to you know bring out the tar and the feathers in the rail like i don't i don't think that's really our people um but you know at some point they're gonna get pushed to such a level that they will because ultimately this stuff can't stand um you know and I, like my solution is i mean we've got the great sorting i think let's find a way to monetize that uh, politically and otherwise to our advantage, you know? And I mean, I, I think federalism is certainly a, a, a way to do it, but I think the other piece is, you know, you got to be predatory against the left and you've got, you've got to exploit the, you know, planned weaponization of governmental failure that they've, they've exploited for their purposes for 40 years. You know, like th there's plenty of benefits in, turning that against them and and you know i mean i think to me red state legislatures is where it's at you know and i mean like you look around particularly in a lot of these places i mean there are some great stuff coming I, we we've talked a little bit about it, like mississippi's legislature is going after the municipal powers of the city of jackson um and you know really doing a good job i mean like uh the legislators uh in mississippi you know, it's mostly, you know, white Republicans, but, you know, they're from the suburbs of Jackson or they're from all the little towns outside of Jackson and, and you know, elsewhere. And these guys go to lunch when the legislature's in session and somebody steals their car. So they got sick and tired of the fact that the Jackson police can't do anything about it. So what they did was they staffed up the Jackson Capitol Police, gave it a jurisdiction that's basically like, I don't know, you know, whatever radius around the Capitol building. I mean, their job basically was to protect the Jackson, uh, the, the state Capitol in Jackson, like the Capitol area, Capitol complex. Now it's like all of downtown Jackson is under the jurisdiction of the Jackson Capitol Police. And they've like built courts and like the governor appointed judges to do the courts. And like they have a separate justice system that if the Jackson Capitol Police catch you, you go in front of a hanging judge and they sit you off the parchment, which is the state prison. Like they do this whole thing. And of course, you know, the left in, in Jack, oh, it's apartheid. You can't do this kind of stuff. And like, mm. well, guess what? When these guys go to the lunch place, like a mile away from the Capitol and take a car and, and it gets stolen and you pissed off those legislators, you know what? This is what you get. And don't freaking complain. This is not unelected judges. Those judges are appointed by the governor who got elected, all right? Just didn't get elected by you guys. So tough shit, you know? <laughs> and so, like, like in other words, they're doing this, the whole business with the Jackson water supply where they're now going to make a regional water um, 
authority that has a bunch of suburban places in and around Jackson and basically overwhelms in terms of the representation thing overwhelms the city of Jackson. And they hate that. It's like, you know, well, if y'all hadn't gotten $800 million worth of federal money to bail out the water system, you wouldn't be interested. And the answer to that is you're damn right. Because we're not giving you people another $800 million. You already destroyed this water system, right? We're not going to give you more money to redestroy it while you steal that $800 million. And so the whole point is, is that they're now taking over a lot of these municipal functions and taking them away from the left-wing urban Democrat machine. Um, and it's a way to reclaim some of these places. I think in the next five to 10 years, this is going to be one of the biggest things that goes on in American politics is particularly in red states is state legislatures and governors coming in and essentially imposing themselves on blue cities within those states that are failing. Well, I mean, because, it's happening in Houston, Houston, yeah. HISD just got, um, you know, taken over by the state. Uh, well, and, and in Austin, you know, there've been a, like, you know, they, they did this thing where they're going to let the homeless basically yeah. camp out mm -hmm. anywhere in Austin. And right. you know, the state government said, Oh no, you don't. Right. Um, and so there's a big controversy there of like, who is the power to, to, to make this law. And it, ultimately the state has the power because this, you know, in every one of these states, the cities and, and, you know, um, counties, you know, that's a, that's a subdivision of the state. It's not the same relationship as the state has with the federal government. You know, the states are sovereign, the cities are not. And so that's where you have the opportunity to, to get in and actually do something um, where, you know, you're going to limit the power of an urban Democrat machine to destroy a city and drive all of the middle class voters out. Um, you know, like, hey, okay, fine. If that's the way you're going to play and it. Hopefully educate the children and hopefully give them safe drinking water and hopefully have, you know, support uh, crumbling inf infrastructure so people want to be there and keep the rule of law so people feel right. safe. All of those things. They... Like Rudy Giuliani, when he came into New York and kind of remade it and uh for those of us who remember the before and after, I mean, it, it's just so dramatic. It almost can't be. And now we're seeing it go the other direction. Yeah. Now, if you didn't see the before, just go there now and you can right. see what it looked like. Cause it's, it's that, or maybe worse. Right. 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 Um, and, and, and that brings us back to the guy who, who is trying to potentially arrest Trump and the, the kind of the rule of law falling apart. Again, I feel like all of these things are, all of this is a distraction from, you know, the bigger kind of, but I do bigger kind of falling apart nature of everything. But on the other hand, it's amazing how, I was amazed how when Trump was in office, how short a time it took to turn some things around, like just getting rid of some really onerous uh, regulations, making it so that people knew that it was safe to invest and then people would do that. You know, all of these very hopeful things, um, the the more things kind of d devolve, the more hopelessness people have, like me right now, and, and then they kind of give up. But actually when somebody 
changes it the other direction, it does seem to free things up a whole lot. that kind of pent up desire for making and building uh, is unleashed again. And yeah. I, I, so like, I, I'm, I'm torn because like, I was, I felt really discouraged before Trump. And then I was like, yeah, we'll see. And then Trump came in and uh, made some pretty basic changes, even being hamstrung those first two and a half years that, lifted everybody up and almost immediately lifted everybody up. And so like, uh, I sometimes wonder what the left's ultimate goal is. Is it just to enslave the world and, um, have a few elites sitting on top of this? I, I, I can't see other, any other end to what they're doing. Well, I mean, I, you know, the goal is power, obviously. Um, you know, I mean, these guys are messianic utopians and they think that if they just get control of everything that they can, you know, that they can make a heaven on earth. Um, but, you know, what I keep seeing and I like you, I, I, I mean, I, I saw some validation of it with Trump is if you just can get the boot off of everyone's neck, things will get better. I mean, like. Mm -hmm all of the decline and everything that you see um, that, you know, that, that demoralizes you. Okay. None of that is organic um, on their own. People will do pretty well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that things don't fall apart from time to time. They do, but there's sort of a self-regulating mechanism that left to their own devices and without perverse incentives you know, you, you generally will have some sort of regression to the mean. And when things get bad, the pendulum will swing back. But, you know, what you have now is what you get when you allow people who are radicals and who are wreckers to control the key institutions of a culture and a society. And that's where we are. You know, we're at the at the end of the long march through the institutions. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, for example, and we come back and we talk about this all the time, but it's such a good um, microcosm to, to do this. I mean, it's not that there aren't good stories for Hollywood to tell in movies. OK, that's not I mean, like, it's not like, oh, well, there's nothing they can do. No, Hollywood is governed by like 300 people. OK, those are the ones who decide what movies and TV shows get made. Right. Mm -hmm. And they all have the same agenda. OK, if if, you know, if it's just a question of, hey, what's a good story that people will be willing to watch? All right. You would get a broad spectrum of perspectives having movies made and this business of every show has got to have, you know, one main character who's black and one main character who's gay and one main character who's trans and one who's agent. Like you wouldn't have any of that stuff um, because if it was just about the craft you'd have, you know, a whole bunch of different things and it would, and it mostly it would make sense because things that make sense generally will draw an audience and things that don't make sense don't. Um, but over and over again, what you find is there is power behind all of the things that otherwise don't make sense. And that, you know, if the power has an agenda, then you know that that's when you can start to see why things are as they are. 
um, you know, I mean, and this applies whether it's whether it's, uh, you know, bad TV shows or Silicon Valley Bank or, you know, all of these different things, you know, Ukraine, all of these different things. There's something going on behind the scenes that involves somebody making money or somebody's agenda being served. And, you know, and we've seen this over and over and over again. Um, and our economy is is closed off and it's oligopolistic because a very small number of people control vast uh, amounts of each of these economic sectors. It's no longer an economy that's made up of small and mid-sized businesses where you have this vast ecosystem that can't be controlled. Um, and that's an Obama thing. Obama, when, when he uh, took office back in 2009, um, had a... Um, a dinner, and I, I'm getting this from Ed Klein's book, The Amateur. Um, he had a dinner with like these nine left-wing historians from all these different, you know, Ivy League schools and so forth, and you know the Michael Besh losses of the world and people like that. And at this dinner, um, you know, he came right out and said, you know, I'm for a corporatist economy. I, like I think the government can manage the economy much better when it's governed by a, a small number of big players. Um, you know, and, and it was like, okay, so he says this and right after that, it starts showing up in time in Newsweek that, you know, he's FDR all over again. And, you know, like they, they then sold this as like a good thing. And this was while the auto bailouts were going on mm -hmm. and all the rest of this stuff. And, you know, ultimately that's what he got. And then you get woke corporatism. So not only are you controlling the economics of a country through a small number of companies, you are now controlling the culture of a country through a small number of companies, um, you know, yeah. and so it's brilliant. But the point being is that it's not organic. This is not how things have just naturally evolved. It's been pushed that way. And if you pulled that boot off of the neck, what you would find is a, a much more wide open thing and a, a, a much greater consensus among the public on things that are a lot more traditional, right? Because most people are not for transgender surgeries from minors. Some state legislature passes a ban on that and the media acts like it's controversial. Right. Tennessee just did it. Oh, this is a super controversial thing in Tennessee. Go to Tennessee and talk to the folks. Nobody opposes it. I mean, nobody opposes it. The Democrats who voted against it did so only because they're trying to get good notices in the newspaper. They know their constituents were not for it. I mean, black people in Tennessee are not interested in somebody turning their kids trans. They don't want that. Okay. They like that, that, that sells like mud among those folks. Um, and so, you know, the point is, is like there are people pushing these agendas and when you restrict their ability to do that and folks can just kind of be, what you find is people are normal. They really are. And um, this America is not that different from the America of 2007, other than the capture of its institutions and the people who make messages and quote unquote form opinions, which they don't even do that well. Um, well, this seems to be a worldwide phenomenon. And, and it is. the boot being shoved off is happening. Like in the Netherlands, the Dutch farmers have yeah. like the the uh those folks who are going to take you know nationalize the farms to reduce the carbon footprint and all this stuff they've right. all been thrown out of office 
Jacinda, what's her face in New Zealand, you know, yeah, same got type, rid of her. got right. rid of her. And uh, there's, but in America, there seems to be this real stultifying kind of uh, fight against between the left and the right. And there's also the specter of stolen elections. <laughs> so when the, when the people can't, yeah. you know, uh, express themselves, they express themselves, and then they're not heard. You know, that's a that's a problem. And when the the elections themselves cannot be trusted, you know, then we're we're kind of reaching, you know, uh, Brezhnev territory. You know, yeah. <laughs> where where uh, or um, you know Mao, where it's it's well, there's, there's definitely a Chinese Cultural Revolution piece to this. There's no question yeah. about. It. Yeah. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy had a really, really good quote not long ago, um, you know, where he was talking about um, the importance of free speech in sort of turning the temperature down on all this. And, you know, basically what he says is if you deny people the right to speak, what you're going to get is screaming. And if you deny them the right to scream, what you get is much worse. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, we're at the screaming stage right now, um, you know, and I mean, some of this is is, you know, it's arrogant incompetence on the part of uh, the ruling elite in this country and particularly on the left that they think they can just squash people's free speech. Um, and, and it doesn't really work well. Right. Because what you get is memed to death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if it's, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to step in and we're going to stop people from doing memes. Uh, you know, we're going to stop comedy. And I mean, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about Chris Rock's, uh, deal, which I ended up watching like that night. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, you know, Chris Rock is obviously a Republican, <laughs> like he's not allowed you to think say so? he's one. Yeah, he's pretty obviously a Republican, um, you know, but he's in he's in Baltimore and he's in front of a crowd that's ninety nine point six percent Democrat. And he's like, OK, I'm going to play to the crowd a little bit. But then everything he says is a Republican thing. So it's pretty clear Chris Chris Rock's a Republican and good for him. Um, it's a shame that he can't like come out and say it. But I mean, I, you know, the messages that he's giving out are very clearly anti-woke anti you know pc messages right um and he's doing it in in the form of comedy dave Chappelle, who i'm not so sure is a republican did the exact same thing you know bill burr who's surely a republican does it and i think bill burr is even funnier than chris rock and dave Chappelle. um but i mean you know uh like i actually think that bill burr is the average the total average man I think yeah. what he articulates is kind of yeah. this middle of the road, what Americana, what used to be just an American point of view, kind of working class, It doesn't trust the man, doesn't yeah. really trust one side or it's the kind other. Of like a Reagan Democrat, right? Yeah, like a which, Reagan Democrat. Which yeah. basically means that he's a base Republican voter now. Well, right, um, well... But yeah, there's but a, the, you know, there's like an Elon Musk and a Joe Rogan and a Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think that I think that is actually what America is now. 
Um, at least I think that's what the men are. I think that the women have, and you know, the women are ruling things right now. The single women who are not married, who don't have children are the ones ruling things. Uh, Sonny Bunch had a really interesting, uh, piece at his Substack. Um, I don't know if it was part of the bulwark or whatever, but he was basically saying that in the last of us, in the very last episode, the girl who is immune to this uh, virus that makes you a zombie or fungus that makes you a zombie. The there's a cure maybe, but they need to like dissect her brain for it. And she's willing to sacrifice herself, but her dad, he, he, her caretaker who's come to be come attached to her goes in and murders everybody to save his daughter, essentially. And Sonny was saying how the uh, movie criticism should be divided into those who are parents and those who are not. And I was like, no, I was like, because the the uh, the response was mixed amongst those who didn't have children. A hundred percent. And the show creator of The Last of Us said that there was not one exception, not one of parents who said this guy did the right thing. He said, mm-hmm. absolutely, he did the right thing. All the parents 100% agreed. It was 50-50 amongst the non-parents. And I was like, to you know, it was to Sonny, well, the parenting kind of clarifies your morality. This is, this is, uh, you know, what might seem this greater good stuff is all Jim Dan D and fine until you have somebody who is your yeah, flesh right. and blood who has to be the sacrificial lamb for the greater good. Then it's kind of like, no, I think not. And um, so I do think that culturally, a lot of the decisions are being made by people not particularly invested in the future, especially well, yeah. women. And, and I think it's I think it's not as much a male female thing as it's it's a you know f- people with families and people without families. Um, like you look, you can look at Western Europe and say, okay, they're whatever ten years further along than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a couple of years ago, practically every single country in western europe was run by somebody who didn't have kids mm, right you know i mean I like mean, look it was at like, what's happening with Macron right now in france where well he he was one and i, I think boris johnson was in office at the same time angela merkel was running um merkel was one whoever yeah. was running both the netherlands and uh belgium were run by uh you know presidents or prime ministers who didn't it was like on and on and on and on and on it was something like nine of 11 of these countries mm-hmm. were run by people without families. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they could all get elected in these places was really what was kind of striking is, is that the, it never even came up with the electorate. Right. Um, and I, you know, we're not there and I don't know that we're ever going to be there. We've got a much, I we have a different history. I mean, world war one and world war two, I think warped, the culture of particularly Western Europe, such that those are countries that don't really think much of the future because in their recent past, it's it's just a matter of time before the Holocaust comes again. 
And by Holocaust, I mean it in a in a larger sense rather than you know what we refer to as right. as the Holocaust. I mean, like you know the the Maelstrom or Ragnarok or whatever else you want to say. Right. We don't right. really have that in our history, right? Like we don't have a devastating event like that 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 changes people's worldview of you know hey build for the future because generations from now right. our family's going to be rich and comfortable and you know this legacy that we're going to be able to build i mean you know those Both people of our... think of well the city's going to get burned out and we're all going to lose everything we have and right so live for today and i think that kind of makes them culturally weaker um than than us and yet we still move in the same direction as them, which is which is really kind of dispiriting. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that I do think so, so you know, the, the the single person or the single women, and I'm gonna pick on um all of liberals generally speaking, I mean, something like fifty over fifty percent, fifty-three percent of liberal women from 18 to 29 have been diagnosed with a mental disorder. Yeah. The rest haven't been diagnosed, which is probably worse. Right. Right. <laughs> well, so there's just a real problem going on culturally here amongst mm -hmm. the uh, liberals. Um, and, and they're not willing to actually look at answers. And so, but these young people are voting and these yeah. and they're making their voices heard and they are looking for the government to do what their and you know uh non-existent spouse non-existent um uh family network is should be doing and so yeah. like i don't know and, and don't realize how empty a delivery that is going to be if they ever did get it right Right. Um, I mean, who do you like one of the crises that we're facing right now in America that is just starting to begin is that there's simply not enough caretakers for baby boomers who are retiring and yeah. it's more expensive than the boomers expected. And um, so anyone who has been in one of these old folks homes and who is single, I mean, the thought of not having children to take care of you and and that sort of thing it's really you know a massive fortune so that you can have pay people to take care of you in the manner you're accustomed and even still it's difficult and it, it, uh, and it won't be there no it won't because be the the worse the ratios the more expensive it's going to be because you can't find people to serve as orderlies and nurses and whatever in these assisted living places you know, and I mean, that's when you start getting into sort of, you know, not in so many words, but like the Soylent Green scenario, <laughs> you know, or, or the Logan's Run scenario where it's like, right. okay, you know, there's just, there's no more place for you in society because we can't take care of all of these 85 year old people that, you know, are no longer ambulatory and whatever. Um, and you, you've put the government in such a position of, of power over everybody's life that they make these value judgments because the people who work in government, that's like what they do. They, they, um, they'll, they'll download their consciousness to the internet, uh, live in the metaverse and then be off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, and their life will be an AI. We'll yeah. be in this, we'll be in this internet world where that doesn't really exist. 
and the people who are older you, that you literally become an npc at the end of the day <laughs> yeah just... we'll be literal npcs at the end you, you populate the metaverse and like you're the you know you're mr smith from the matrix hey you know what we need to have someone on the podcast since we're talking about this who is into this ai stuff and can talk intelligently about it because last week was like from the tech people I know, they said that this was the most significant change in technology that humanity has experienced. And most people don't even know that it happened. And all of these various companies have released their um, AIs onto the world and they're being used in innovative ways already. And uh, so, you know, I think that there's going to be a matrix like future for uh some people i mean and uh who knows what that's gonna be like i don't think that the world we have today is gonna be the world that's even two years from now you know the no, last the last three years have completely completely fundamentally changed the world in dramatic ways with the covid stuff and that that uh, so-called technology, I think what's coming is going to be even more uh, transformational. And I don't know that how much more transformation, no. you know, the, the we could take because no, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we have an ethical framework to handle it. No, you don't. I mean, that that's, you know, that, I mean, with everything, you, you know, you need to have some ebb and flow so that you have the ability to process changes and and we're on such a turbocharged journey through all this that um you know i like i don't think um i don't think we can really keep up and uh, you know the big issue is is uh, you know so many of the people that are um driving the technological changes that affect society um are fundamentally evil people <laughs> um yeah. You know, and I mean, I like, I, you know, I'm going to pin this whole thing on Bill Gates, but Bill Gates is a guy with a very, very warped sense of morality and ethics. Um, and, you know, his company has gotten involved in a whole bunch of these, these changes. I mean, I understand that Microsoft just dumped out a couple thousand people that they had that were working on the metaverse, you know, largely All the, because, their whole ethics department, they fired. Yeah, I like I I can understand that. I'm the the two bobs from Office Space probably showed. It's like so exactly what is it that you do all day? <laughs> because well, they probably are trying happen. to fight fight the uh, fight the tide there and are being just blown well, that, you know that rolled over. I mean, Facebook's true. having the same problem because the metaverse isn't working out, and he keeps he um uh fired all of the people who were saying that well i we don't think that this is being programmed correctly because the, the potential implications are t terrible <laughs> also all of these tech billionaires are like you know out with any kind of ethical framework and so you know it's like none of them watched any science fiction movies in the 1970s and 1980s right like because every single yeah. one like all of them it, 
what we what we needed was Michael Crichton to be still be around. Oh yeah, because right? he wrote all of these books about oh yeah you're going to do these great things and look how bad it's going to go right 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 um and you know I mean uh um well the lost world was the was the Jurassic Park book and it right. like it you know it, it was about that you know we're going to bring dinosaurs back to life order but that that really wasn't what the book was about what the book was about was you know you better be damn careful about what you're doing with these technological advances that you're pursuing because you are literally playing with fire or worse. Right. Um, and that was a big theme of what he wrote. And I mean, you know, from the Andromeda strain to, um, yeah. uh, you know, all, all of these other great books that, that Crichton wrote, it was, it was, I mean, every one of them was a warning about, look, you know, technocracy right. is not heaven on earth like that it's a dystopian thing and you better be really careful about how much of it that you bite off the people in charge of the 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 advances like you know they think jurassic park was just this really cool movie about <laughs> you know and like they, they missed the entire gist of it and um I think you know, they're actually using woolly mammoth uh, DNA and trying to recreate it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like right now. So nobody's learning this lesson. I don't, I just don't think so. Right. And I mean, you know, okay. Yeah. Maybe you can bring woolly mammoths back and it's not the end of the world. But when you start bringing velociraptors back, mm -hmm. right. And T-Rexes back, which is the next thing that's going to come. Oh, which I think cool is just a these... giant chicken. Like, I mean, like a, a monument, mon monumentally huge chicken. <laughs> bring, well, with bring very back sharp these... teeth. With very sharp teeth and a very big head. I'm just like, what are we doing? And that's not even the least of it. Like, um, I, I've been, for people who are hearing me, I'm sounding nasal because I have had a virus for the last few days. And so in my kind of misery, I've been like reading and catching up on things that I wouldn't normally because I'm not doing anything. And I watched this video about this tech that exists where you can, in one place, if you have this implant, control the body of somebody else or implant knowledge that you have that the person on the other end doesn't have. And it works like this is current tech that works. So the tech, so the tech, the tech is insane where, where people won't even know. And then we have the miniaturization in biotechnology and changing the actual DNA, which these mRNA vaccines are the, you know, one of the ways um, that it's being used. Some others are using people's DNA to help them uh, become resistant to cancers or that sort of thing. So along with these amazing kind of good things where like I have a friend whose son was, had a genetic disorder, they're injecting his own, uh, corrected DNA into his brain. And now this child who couldn't walk can walk, who mm -hmm. couldn't talk can talk is learning all of these things and they're finding that the younger they do it, the more, the better outcomes they're having. So like, there's crazy, amazing things that are being done on the one hand. 
And then on the other hand, crazy things that are quite easily vehicles for the suicide of humankind <laughs> moments sure. at I mean, the I, same time. Yeah. Well, and that's just it, right? Like you can, you know, all of this stuff can be badly abused, um, you know. But and there's almost no regulation and there's no real understanding on the part. I mean, we've got legislators, Scott, who don't no even know what either. Facebook is. Oh, I, I get it. But I mean, I, I don't know that you, I mean, that technology is going to run out so much faster than you can regulate it. What you need, if you're going to have any hope of regulating this, not necessarily legislatively, but like societally, you need to have a virtuous public. Right. Like this is this is the part where the things that like John Adams and Ben Franklin and some of these guys had said way back when, which is, you know, like our like Adams is like our Constitution is is suited to a, you know, religious and virtuous population and wholly unsuited to any other. The kind of freedom that, you know, that attaches to having these technological advances in a private sector setting, um, you better have really virtuous people and ethical people in that private sector because otherwise what you end up with is james bond villains i think we have and james bond villains we absolutely have james bond villains and <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know and so you start okay well how do you deal with this and it comes back to this you know this stuff that we were talking about before which is you know how you deal with it is it probably is going to be really unpleasant um, and that's like one of the reasons why I keep so like we have got to find ways to make consequences um, for, you know, negative consequences for people who abuse our system and our civil society and so forth, um, you know, in, in ways other than, you know, the mob shows up and burns you out of your house. We've got to be able to make it. So I don't that know. I mean, I think that we're headed towards a butlerian jihad. I well, mean, we probably are. But, For those who don't know what that is, yeah, is in the book uh, Dune, uh, which I recommend going seeing the Denny Villanueva movie. But anyway, sure. his version of it, um, the first section anyway. But the book, the premise of part of it, which at the end doesn't actually happen. But, it, but anyway, um, the Butlerian Jihad was that humankind was so uh, overcome and hated computers and anything digital so much that they destroyed all, you know, technology. So, but not all, you know, we saw some, you know, uh, sneak through and of course um, the biotechnology did and the cloning and stuff never got ended. Right. Well, and and I don't know that we'd ever do that, but um, I do th think that um, society at some point is going to have to come to terms with um, the importance of human values uh, in governing technology, and we we're nowhere near that there. Um, and in fact, we've given an enormous amount of power to people who have looked upon technology as its own source of morality. 
Yeah. Um, and we're rapidly finding out that that is the wrong way to go. Um, Nobody's so, even following Asimov's rules for robots. Like, the, I, there's a, like, is AI even, is the premise in AI, and this, somebody was asking this on Twitter, is there a premise that whatever is the highest good for humans, like, because the first law of robotics was that to protect human life. Right. Well, this AI stuff, what it's, you know, coming out with doesn't seem to be very pro-human. No, it, it seeks to replace all. humans. Right. I mean, every time you ask this amalgamation of, you know, and all of all this AI stuff is, is uh, a series of prompts at the behest of whoever is uh, programming it and how it's yeah. filtering information and spitting it out. There's, there's no such thing really as artificial intelligence. It's human intelligence crapped out of your computer in a way that some coder has prompted it to do so and filtered Correct. the information and made it linguistically sound like a conversational way of, uh, of conveying information, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, personal. you know, like everybody is so geeked up about chat GPT and, and this, you know, oh, it can write an article and blah, blah, blah. And I've yet to read anything that chat GPT wrote that I find readable. Like I, you know, I, it's all good to me. It's just gobbledygook, you know? Well, but. a lot of it is. And, and uh, one of our, um, the, a woman who runs her social media for the American spectator, she was, her husband's into this kind of thing. And she said that when he was, he just uh, gave it a prompt to write this philosophical or uh, article and it had uh, attributed quotes to, uh, I can't remember the philosophers, but just let say Sophocles or something. And, um, and the quote wasn't true. It was just a made up thing. Right. <laughs> and so like the, the problem that, is inherent in all of this is that it'll just be spitting lies that people perceive as truth yeah and because well it's you know, it's, it's garbage in garbage out i mean that's right well because the form feels relatable right i don't know anyway well that's a topic for another day um i think we i think we've done a fairly good job of uh sketching out the current problems um a little bit but i, I mean it's an, it's an interesting podcast that starts with alvin bragg and goes to to artificial intelligence right so it's like real unintelligence to artificial intelligence <laughs> of dubious quality <laughs> right like yeah so that's that's the progression for this last you know hour and 20 minutes i guess yeah the thing the the thing is it's like what i keep coming back to the solution in both things is just uh um i watched the extended version of lord of the rings which is on hbo right now for everybody uh the the whole thing and it was um i guess they've digitally um redone it and so it looked beautiful uh the way it was streaming and everything but the extended version and i think that the the answer is always going to be the hobbits the answer is always going to be the little people doing the right thing and finally getting fed up with the 
the elites um being feckless or you know being overcome uh, you know in in the case of one king who was just kind of like possessed by wrong ideology and another king who'd given up to or steward who'd given up it to despair there's so many ways you can go wrong in leadership yep the, it's the common people who have to take back the world for themselves and um which is kind of a populisty um message which tends to be scary because a ton of a ton of blood tends to be shed when that happens um but like you said when people are not heard when talking doesn't do it and then screaming doesn't do it um at least to places like what happened in lord of the rings where someone has to take on the orcs yeah <laughs> and there's a yeah. lot of orcs right now yeah I mean, you know, and that's, you know, that's one reason why um, it's it's a little discouraging to see the right failing to come together when so many people can see what the problems are. Right. Um, and yet, you know, I, like every day we're going to see Trump throwing bombs at DeSantis. Right. And then, you know, DeSantis throws something back at Trump, which I didn't really think was that bad, but. Right. You know, the Trump people are acting like it was a, you know, a grave atrocity that was committed. Right. And, it, yeah. and it's like, OK, we need both of these two guys. Right. Right. Like we, like we're going to need an entire movement. This is a 16 year, 20 year project to rebuild right. the country. And it's not going to get done if you guys are you know are busy having little pissing contests every day that is that's not what this is right um you know because at the end of the day it's not about either one of you it's about the country right um and and if our side's not willing to you know to 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 think about things in those terms um you know first and foremost and not about the selfish petty you know, personal political ambitions of, you know, some guy really wants to be president. Look, none of that shit matters. Like it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, if the, if the left is going to, is going to run a justice department that can go get anybody for any reason, right. Because they don't like their politics. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, we no longer are, are in a country that's worth even having, and it's probably better if we split this thing up um yeah. rather than be governed by people like that um hopefully i mean i don't want it to come to that i want to i want to revive america and i think it's still doable because i don't give the left that much credit um you know but if we're not even going to show up for the fight we can't win it right well if we're fighting each other we can't win it right yeah right and and so you know i like i'm to me it's guys could we please just show up Right. You know, like, I mean, could we at least try to get our act together here and, 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 you know, see where that goes? Because, you know, the country's not dead. The problem is, is our side is not representing, you know, our side is not doing what it needs to be done. And for the longest time, you know, we, we let the, the Bush Republican crowd, the John McCain's and the Mitt Romney's uh, who didn't have the, the, um, survival of the republic as their as their top priority and they 
basically tried to ignore that there was even any threat to it. Um, you know, and so we wasted 30 years with those idiots. And, and then, you know, you had to have somebody like Trump, like, well, he's not perfect. And it's like, well, no kidding. I mean, I like you weren't, I mean, a perfect guy is not going to run for office now. So, no. you know, let's take what, let's take what we get the good with the bad. The left doesn't have anybody perfect. I mean, they're, they're still idolizing Obama and you can't get any more petty and, and, um, pick a yoon than that guy uh you know was a terrible human being that survived on media attention and nothing else and ruined the country and they still think he was a superstar and you know and it's like okay well i don't i don't require well, he, was, that he did it all too. under the i mean he was a superstar he is a superstar he he managed to be a mediocrity and to come across and effectively fundamentally change america he was effective and he and he's lazy has is low character and not that great of a guy and he managed all of that with the help of a media who utterly um enthralled by his they they like the nastiness the problem that a lot of these folks have with trump is that he uses the methods of the left and it pisses them off. Absolutely. So it's not that he's, and a lot of people on the right are like so highbrow that that kind of uh, get into the mud type of politics offends their sensibilities. Right. Well, I mean, they can get off their high horses anytime now. I, is, well, I, I think no. I think most I think most people on the right have kind of come around to um a recognition that okay this is just sort of where politics is and yeah we've got to do it they don't they may not like it but they can accept it i think the the ones that aren't sold on trump kind of look around and are like yeah but you know like you want to do that style but you haven't you're not as good at it as the left is right um which i think is a is a valid um you know, a valid question. I mean, you know, like, like you go back and you like, well, why, why did Fauci and Burks still have a job? Um, you know, like, yeah. I think those are, those are questions really for me that are much more interesting where Trump as a candidate in 2024, Arkansas is like, look, I don't mind you slashing throats. I just want you to make sure that you slash them all the way through. Right. Right. Um, you know, and please well, don't yeah. practice on Ron DeSantis, who we need for 2028, if nothing else. Right, right. Right. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, uh, thank you all for listening. Please like and subscribe, share, if comment everything. You can email us both. We talked about that before. And um, so we really appreciate you listening today. And we'll see what happens. I don't know. While this whole podcast was going on, they could have uh, arrested Trump. I don't know. But somehow I doubt it. Yep. And uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow if it doesn't happen today. It was um, it was an, an effective uh, ruse if it, if it doesn't happen. Uh, it, it certainly achieved what they wanted it to. And like Scott says... Everybody's got to come together. This is not going to work. Um, And there's a lot of bloodletting right now. 
on the, our own side when there's bigger fish to fry, obviously. So hopefully um, that will get resolved and this kind of nonsense will stop and we'll, but I doubt it. We'll have more to talk about next week because, or the week following, because I'm taking vacation next week. I didn't tell you that. So you, you'll. Um, I'm going to carry the show. I you'll will carry the way. show. Scott will carry the show. And um, I will be out in West Texas, unplugged from this world. That's what I'll be doing. So anyways, thanks all for listening. Catch us next time. Subscribe and like and share. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>